Donald Trump may be narcissistic, ignorant, impulsive, and dangerous, but we are told his three top generals are working hard to control his actions and limit the damage he could do. For comment, we turn to John Nichols. Of course, he's the nation's national affairs correspondent, and all three of the generals are part of his new book, Horsemen of the Trumpocalypse, A Field Guide to the Most Dangerous People in America. John Nichols, welcome back. It is a pleasure to be with you, sir. Well, the former generals who we are told are keeping Trump from doing terrible things are, of course, his chief of staff, former Marine Corps General John Kelly, his defense secretary, former Marine Corps General James Mattis, and his national security advisor, former Army Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster. We've been told they have a pact to ensure that one of them is always in the country to watch over Trump in case he, quote, goes off the deep end. And we've been told they've been doing good things, especially on foreign policy. They prevented Trump from scrapping the Iran nuclear deal. And most important, they don't want a nuclear war with North Korea. Your book, Horsemen of the Trumpocalypse, has chapters on each of them. Let's start with Defense Secretary James Mattis. He was in the news last week after Trump tweeted about war with North Korea, after Trump tweeted that diplomacy was, quote, a waste of time. Mattis said the American effort in North Korea is, quote, diplomatically led. And after Trump tweeted that, quote, only one thing will work, scaring everybody, Mattis said that the United States is focusing on an economic sanction-buttressed effort to try to turn North Korea off this path. Tell us about Defense Secretary James Mattis. Well, Mattis is a fascinating figure. I mean, he is, he is kind of one of these uh, folks who people in the media love. They, they love the idea of a warrior intellectual, a guy who travels to the battlefield with a you know, backpack full of books, and, and, you know, brings great intellect and, and nuance to the process. And, and there is some truth to the fact that he reads widely and, and can discourse relatively widely, but, but don't lose sight of the reason that Trump hired him. And it, it wasn't because of that. It was because of a nickname, um, Mad Dog. Mm. And, 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 and he didn't get the nickname Mad Dog uh, for, you know, drawing up, you know, nuanced reading lists. Um, no, he's, he, the fact of the matter is, this is a guy who is a major militarist. Uh, he is a very, very big enthusiast uh, for uh, going into military endeavors with uh, a fully stocked arsenal and uh, being incredibly aggressive in, in pursuing those endeavors. Now, the fact that he brings a little bit of caution to a uh, proposal to literally create a nuclear war <laughs> on the Korean Peninsula, which would uh, immediately destabilize China, Japan, and, and every place else, and, and probably very possibly bring the, the planet to the brink of destruction. Um, you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's good. I'm certainly you know, glad that, that he's there, but I'm not sure that that makes him the perfect player in, in this circumstance. And, and one of the things that I think is important to understand is that while Mattis uh, can come off as more reasonable, 
in in some of his statements and and may in fact I, I think it's fair to say is probably uh, urging the president to dial some things down. He is also presiding over a, a massive transfer of power in in the uh, federal government and and in particularly our foreign policy sector. Uh, he does talk about a diplomacy led uh, initiative on the Korean Peninsula, but what he doesn't say is that increasingly that diplomacy is led by him, i.e. that he is talking to other military people and other uh, government folks around the world, people that he has come to know over many, many years, and that Rex Tillerson is strikingly marginalized in all this. Uh, The State Department is is a mess at this point. It hasn't filled key positions. whole sectors of the State Department are weak to the point of dysfunctional at this point. There's, there's a lot of chaos there. And, and Tillerson has accepted a dialing down of the State Department budget, a diminishing of uh, its role and its responsibility. And so Mattis has an immense amount of power, more power probably than, than anybody at the Pentagon, uh, maybe in its history. Uh, and that can make some people feel comfortable because at this point he is not using that power to say, yeah, let's, let's go immediately to war. But I would be very, very cautious about, uh, you know, putting an immense amount of stock in the notion that this guy is always going to be the backstop or always going to be the the person saying no. Uh, I think there's very little evidence of that. The most powerful and best known of Trump's generals is his chief of staff, the former Marine Corps general, John Kelly. We're told he's responsible for the firing of some of the most dangerous people in the Trump White House, starting with Steve Bannon and his associate, Sebastian Gorka. We're told that General Kelly limits Trump's access to online right-wing news like Breitbart and controls who gets to see him. And a couple of days ago, after Trump tweeted about cutting off hurricane disaster relief for Puerto Rico, General Kelly said, quote, our country will stand with those American citizens in Puerto Rico until the job is done, close quote. That's, of course, the opposite of what Trump said. What's your assessment of Trump's chief of staff, John Kelly? Well, I, I dare say I'm not in the camp that says John Kelly has really made everything great out at the White House. If you look at the period since John Kelly uh, came in came into position of power there, where he was supposedly the definitional figure. What have we had happen during that, that period? Charlottesville, the chaotic and, and deeply troubling, I would say, disqualifying presidential response to, you know, one of the major sort of meltdowns on issues of race and fascism and Nazism in, in recent American history. Um, you know, Kelly was in charge there. And, and where, was the, where was the order? Where was the, the functionality there? Um, you know, look at, at, uh, this mess with North Korea, uh, Kelly's been in charge. Uh, I haven't seen the, the president stabilize or become a more functional player in this regard. Look at the total unmitigated chaos as regards Trump's agenda, uh, with Congress. I mean, <laughs> despite his ridiculous recent press conference with Mitch McConnell, I mean, things are, things are strikingly out of control. Look at, um, 
the uh, president's speech to the United Nations. You know, Kelly was in charge, but who wrote that speech or who at least drafted key parts of it? Stephen Miller, uh, an acolyte of Steve Bannon. Uh, and, and with all due respect, I don't think Bannon was fired. I think Bannon is a strategist who chose uh, to step out of an inside position and move to an outside position from which to continue the exact same mission. And, and when the president held his recent press conference outside the, the White House, or at least the press availability he did with McConnell, he refer, referred to Bannon as a friend and offered clear indications that he is consulting with Bannon about many of the things Bannon's doing. And so, uh, boy, if John Kelly has stabilized things or has you know, really put things on the right track, um, you know, where was it with the, the chaotic and, and deeply troubling uh, speech that, that Trump gave about Iran? Is it with the, the constant kind of d- dialing up of tensions with North Korea? Is it the absolute failure of the White House to respond to Charlottesville? Is it the inability of the White House to, to get a coherent legislative agenda together? No, John Kelly is a mess of a chief of staff. I would argue that uh, the combination of Reince Priebus and Steve Bannon, as messy as that was, actually created a more stable and focused White House than what we have today. There's a cult of General Kelly that, that wants to fantasize that he's keeping us safe or keeping us keeping things stable and dialing down the crazy. I'd see no evidence whatsoever of that. And what do you conclude about the National Security Advisor, H.R. McMaster? He has a Ph.D. in military history from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He wrote a best-selling book in 1997 titled Dereliction of Duty, Johnson, McNamara, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the Lies that Led to Vietnam. The New York Times called that book, quote, comprehensive and balanced, close quote. That sounds great. Yeah, it does sound great until you read the book. (laughs) Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, remember, a New York Times review is done by an individual. It's not done, you know, it's not the New York necessarily the whole of the New York Times in the yes. current context Excellent speaking about point. it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, in doing the book, I looked a lot at McMaster. Matt, McMaster's a fascinating figure. He, he is, uh, like Mattis, a, uh, a intellectual general. There's no, quali- no question of that. But it's sort of like uh, Trump is a billionaire populist. There's no question of that either. But, you know, when, all, when it all comes down, uh, Trump is more billionaire than populist. Mm-hmm. And General McMaster is more general than intellectual. Okay. Uh, and this is a big deal to understand with him. Uh, his book basically argues that Vietnam was we got into that war, and then the generals were too deferent to civilian control. They were too deferent to concerns about domestic policy and domestic politics and and frankly the demands of the people as regards that war they didn't go for like a maximum win and arguing for strategies to absolutely prevail now there are many people that believe that you know i understand that uh, there are even some reasonable people who believe you know if you're in that you know that you know that this is this is the work of generals this is what generals do uh they should they should guide things 
But I happen to be on the side of the founders of the American experiment, which is that we have civilian control of the military, and the military is supposed to be deferent to uh, those civilians rather than kind of calling the shots. And I think that that's the key to all of these generals. When we look at these, these three folks, the problem that we come to is something that Senator Kirsten Gillibrand identified when she voted against uh, the Mattis nomination in particular, uh, and really was the, the principal opposition there. You know, to get Mattis into that position, we had to gut out long-term policies that we've had in place as regards generals stepping into leadership positions in the Pentagon. They changed the rules to let Mattis step in there. Um, and part of that is because Trump is so obsessed with generals. Um, we, are, we have a, a bad situation now because Trump has put generals into all sorts of positions of power. And now we're saying, well, yeah, but these are reasonable generals. These are, you know, better than some other generals. That may be true. But the core principle that we should have civilian control of the military and that we should also have a balance as regards the military, i.e., that the military-industrial complex should be checked and balanced by a set of civilian priorities, which, which we value and which we advance, um, and which, frankly, are, are part of what we defend. John Nichols, he wrote about Trump's generals in his new book, Horsemen of the Trumpocalypse, A Field Guide to the Most Dangerous People in America. John, thanks so much for talking with us today. It's a great pleasure to have this conversation. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 